Welcome to the Urban Church Podcast. If you would like more information about Urban, please visit our website at lifeaturban.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the message. Turn your Bibles tonight to three different places. Turn your Bibles to Luke 9, Romans 8, and 2 Corinthians 5. It's Luke 9, Romans 8, and 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to start a new series tonight entitled Carnal Christianity. Luke 9, 23. Luke 9, 23 says this. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, this is Jesus talking, let him deny himself and take up his cross and daily follow me. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, if anyone would want to live the life I'm living, to be my follower, let him deny himself And take up his cross daily and follow me. Now turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. It says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many happy you're in Christ Jesus tonight? A few of you. All right, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. In us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. To be fleshly minded is death, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now one more, one more scripture, 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 17. It says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would just speak uh, so honestly and so clearly out of your word to us. God, that we'd be challenged tonight. And uh, Lord, as we're challenged, God, we'd be changed. In your likeness, in your image, in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Tonight we're going to start this series, Carnal Christianity. And uh, as I've been studying uh, for this series, I've become to realize this, that the biggest obstacle, or the biggest, I should say, enemy to Christianity is not another religion. The biggest enemy to Christianity is not Hinduism, or, or, or being a Muslim, or, or some other, you know, religious 
group, that is not the biggest opponent to Christianity. The biggest opponent, I believe, to Christianity is this thing called carnal Christianity. As we begin to talk about tonight, I believe that you're going to begin to see how that works against what God intended. As we get into this series, we're going to begin to look at the church that Jesus Christ always intended out of his word and the church that we are today and to see if we're measuring up to the church that Jesus Christ always intended us to be. And in looking at that, you're going to see, man, the biggest battle that you and I will fight is not going to be out fighting against you know, people of other religions or, or, or different ways of life. The biggest battle we're going to face is literally our own people that have a wrong concept of what it means to be the church. Okay, carnal Christianity. What does it mean to be carnal? Carnal is slim to this. It's fleshly or flesh. The word carnal means fleshy or flesh. The word Christian means Christ follower, little Christ. So just by looking at the two definitions of these, it's impossible to have something called carnal Christianity. We have it in the church. We see it everywhere in the church. But yet if we actually begin to look at what they're saying, we're, being, we're being saying this, that you are a fleshy Christian or you're a flesh Christ follower. Okay? When we read in Romans, Romans said this, to be, to be fleshly or carnal minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life. Every time you read in the Bible it talks about carnality or carnal or flesh, it's talking about that which opposes the kingdom of God. Okay? So to have a carnal mind is to be doing something that opposes a spiritual mind, which is the kingdom of God. In other words, carnal is leading towards death, spiritual leading towards life. So for me to be a carnal Christian, it doesn't work. Are you with me tonight? See, the Bible paints a very clear picture in Galatians chapter 5 that there is a spiritual mindset, there is a carnal mindset. And if you read Galatians chapter 5, you see that these two are at odds with one another. They're fighting back and forth, okay? And the Bible says in Galatians, whichever one you feed, that's the one that lives, okay? If I could put it this way, it's almost as if you have two um, um, uh, fraternal twins inside of you. Not identical, <laughs> but fraternal twins inside of you. Okay? One of them's going this way, one of them's going that way. Okay? Well, whichever one gets the more food, that's the one that's going to grow. Okay? You've got a carnal nature that is wanting to win, and you have a spiritual nature because you've come to Christ that wants to win. Okay? And the carnal nature is going one way, the spiritual nature is going another way, but whichever one you feed, that's the one that grows. But to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay? So we're going to talk about this thing called carnal, carnal Christianity. It has gotten into the church somehow. Okay? It's gotten into the church in two ways, really. It's still carnal. But it's gotten into the church to a degree where you, you can talk about people like this. Like you'll talk about, to somebody about their friend and you'll say, well, are they a Christian? Yeah, they're a Christian. They're just not really serving God right now. That statement makes absolutely no sense. Because if I'm a Christian, I'm serving God. So to say, yeah, I'm a, he's a Christian, but he's just not serving God right now, what they're saying is this, oh, he's a carnal Christian, okay? And we have honestly come to a place in church where we begin to write off some of the things we do, uh, is that, oh, well, that was just my carnal nature getting the better of me, you know? I didn't mean to do that, it was just, you know, I was just being a little bit carnal. And, and as if that lessens the impact of sin in our life. Are you with me? But we do that because to us it kind of appeases something. Like, oh, I lost that battle, but that was just my carnal side. I'll, I'll get it next time. Okay? 
I have an issue with that. And so does God. Okay? Because whatever you feed, it grows. So if you fed that carnal thing inside of you, guess what it just did? It just grew. Okay? And the more you feed it, the more it grows, the bigger it gets. And so we have this thing in church where uh, we're literally, if I could put it this way, coming to church on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night has literally become like a confessional to us. Man, I had a bad week. I need to go to church. Dude, I messed up bad Saturday. Man, I need to get to church. As if that appeases something wrong that we did. That is a carnal mindset. And we write sin off as, well, that was just my carnal side getting the better of me. That is a dangerous place to be, ladies and gentlemen, because the wages of sin is death. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. You can try to be casual about it all you want, but every time you give into that carnal nature, every time you feed that carnal person, you are one step closer to death. Okay? Other way this has crept into the church, it's, it's, it's real subtle. Okay? But it's crept in this way, and then that we, as Christians, we often think if, man, we can just conquer the issues that we face, if I can just somehow overcome those, and, and we do sometimes, and we overcome them, we think, man, I'm a really good Christian now. Okay? Or we'll say this, or we'll say, well, at least, at least, at least what I'm doing is not as bad as what so-and-so is doing. As if they're the standard, you know? I mean, if, if they're the standard, then heck, we're all going to heaven. You with me? <laughs> Okay. No, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He's the standard. Okay? Rather than, well, at least it's not as bad as what someone's, well, you know what? It's not as good as Jesus did. <laughs> okay? But maybe it's not even sin issues. See, we, we get to this place as Christians where we think, we've, okay, I finally conquered this, and man, I'm a better Christian now, and now I can get my gold star, you know? And Are you with me? But when did Christianity become just about you overcoming your issues? And if all Christianity was was about you overcoming your issues, then Jesus Christ would have never had to die on the cross. He had no issues. He was, he was, he was the pinnacle. He was the top. He was the example. Why did he die? He didn't die for himself. He died for others. What does Luke 9.23 say? We read it tonight. It says to be a Christ follower is to deny yourself daily, pick up your cross daily, and begin to follow Jesus Christ. Daily. Okay? That is not just, okay, I overcame sin. That is, man, I'm going to deny myself. Let me just sum up the gospel in these words. Die to yourself. That can sum up the whole gospel. You die to your desires. Because see, man, if, if all, all being a Christian is, is we concerned about ourself, that is carnal. It's selfish. And your eyes are on yourself. Are you with me tonight? I can't just live my life in a way that, man, okay, I escaped sin and I escaped sin and man, I got around that one and I got around that one. I've got to live my life in such a way that now other people can become righteous. Are you with me? Paul said it this way, man, I give up rights that are rightfully mine. I give up things that, man, are okay for me to do. Because you know what? Somebody else sees me do it, it might cause them to stumble and fall. And you know what? Paul says, Paul says, I'd rather walk in the greater law of love, are you with me tonight, than in the greater law of what's okay for me to do. That, ladies and gentlemen, is being a Christ follower. It's not just me overcoming, my, man, it's me living my life in such a way that no one can come and bring an accusation against me. Are you with me? Now, that, now listen to me. We're not talking about being perfect. 
We're talking about pursuing perfection. And daily, I've got to check myself. Daily. It's got to come to the point where literally you and I, man, before we do something, okay, you know those little dumb bracelets? What would Jesus do, okay? Okay, you know what, though? Sorry if you're wearing one. It's not dumb. It's cool, but somebody's like. But honestly, that needs to be our mindset. Would Jesus find himself in this position? Would Jesus find himself in this place? Would Jesus be doing this right Are you with me tonight? Okay. We've got to, we've got to understand this. How can I, let, let's just, let's put it this way. Has anybody ever been on a boat before? Awesome. Okay. Let's just say there's two boats. Let's say this is one boat and this is one boat. Okay, the Bible says this in James, that a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. You with me? Now that's not just, you know, what am I going to eat tonight? Oh, I want a hot dog. No, wait, I want pizza. No, I want, you know, okay? We're not talking about something simple like that. Oh, you're unstable in all your ways, you know? Can't make up your mind what you're going to eat, okay? What James is literally talking about, he's talking about I'm double-minded in my carnal nature and I'm double-minded in my, in, my, in my spiritual nature. And some days I'm going this way and some days I'm going that way. And because I give in to one and then I give in to the other, I'm double-minded, I'm unstable in all my ways. It's almost as if there's two boats. This one's the carnal one, this one's the spiritual one. Can remember, see, here's the problem. Some of us think that, uh, look at carnality and spirituality like this, like they're just, you know, side by side. And I've got to be a spiritual person. But sometimes I'm carnal. No, it's not like that. It's like this. It's like the carnal's going that way and the spiritual's going that way. Okay? They're opposing each other. They're direct opposites. But some of us live our life like this with one foot in the carnal and one foot in the spiritual. I'm a carnal Christian. But the spiritual's going that way and the carnal's going that way. And the longer I leave my feet on those boats, the further apart they get, are you with me, the more unstable my life becomes. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. But I try to live and I try to live and I try to live and I try to live. What does the Bible say in Revelations? The Bible says in Revelations, I wish you were hot or I wish you were cold. But because you're in the middle, you're lukewarm, you're unstable. So I've got to puke you up. <laughs> That's what it says. Okay? might say vomit, but puke you up. Okay? Listen to me. If you're living your life like this, you might be able to do it for a little while, but the further those boats get apart, you can't keep your foot on both, and you're going to get unstable, and you're going to fall. Are you with me? I don't know about you, but I'd rather fall on the side of righteousness than fall on the side of un- Why? Because the Bible says... If you fall when you're righteous, you can pick yourself up and you can get going again. They're opposing each other. They're going in opposite directions. But I fear that the church, when we look at the church, we look at it and it's kind of like, it's full of carnal Christians. Not, not urban, of course, but, you know, the church at large. And it's full of carnal Christians. And if we don't confront that issue, and let me put it this way, if we don't confront the issues that are in our life, we're hurting. You got my, you got my, can you unscrew it for me? Thanks. Teamwork. If we don't confront the issues that are in our life, okay, can I be honest with you? If we don't confront the issues that are in our brother's lives and our sister's lives, we're doing them a disservice. Okay? We've gotten way too meek and mild in the church, okay? 
Honestly, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron, so I'm supposed to sharpen my friend. I can't just let my friend keep walking that direction, living their life, that doing that thing. Matter of fact, the Bible, the Bible talks about this in Ezekiel. It says that you're like a watchman on the tower. And if danger is coming to your friend and you don't sound the alarm and say, Yo, friend, you're being stupid. You're being carnal. Carnal means death. You're going to die. If you don't warn them, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that their mistake will be required by you. That's what the Bible says. It says in the New Testament as well. End of Romans chapter 1. The end of Romans chapter 1 says this. It's not just those that are involved in those actions that are guilty of the sin, but it's those that stand by and watch and say nothing that will be guilty of that sin. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? What is that? Man, you cannot have dark and light in the same place. Ephesians chapter 5 says this, whatever is brought to the light is made manifest by the light. The light shines in the darkness, boom, there's no more darkness. Are you with me? Okay? Man, when Jesus Christ comes in your life, if he's truly there, you cannot stay the same way. Carnal is going that way. I'm jumping off that boat, and I'm getting on the spiritual boat. And I'm, Now listen to me. That doesn't mean as Christians we don't blow it every now and then. Hear what I'm saying. Okay? But if you keep blowing it and blowing it and blowing it and blowing it and blowing it, and blowing it maybe you're on the wrong boat. Are you with me tonight? Carnal Christianity. It slipped into the church. Not just on a sin issue, although it still is sin because it's carnal. But carnal Christianity has slipped in even to the pulpit. Where this is no longer about, man, getting people right. It's about building my empire. I really don't care about the individual as much as I do the crowd. My mentors are, char- are challenging me every week. Ben, are you preaching to the individual or are you preaching to the crowd? I said, well, we ain't got that big of a crowd yet. So, hmm. it's easy for me to preach to the individual. We only got one individual there sometimes. <laughs> man, if we ever miss that, man, it's not about this. It's about this. And as Christ followers, man, we've got to make sure we stay focused or really, our, our well-intentioned ideas could become very carnal. Are you with me tonight? It's come in in many ways. It's come in, you know, when, when Christianity is supposed to be about servanthood. But in the church today, it's about leadership. Whatever happened to servanthood? Whatever happened to the servant would be the greatest in the kingdom? Now it's become about the self-promoting leadership. Gosh, what about... What about being like Jesus? What about coming under and serving people, not caring about the recognition? What about making other people's dream a success? What about making other people? Are you with me tonight? Okay? But man, that can be so carnal at times. Our desire for leadership. Huh. I mean, I mean we, can, we can make simple comments, you know, like th- that just can destroy our whole picture of what church is about. To the point, well, we'll hang out with somebody if, they, if, if, they, if, if, if I'm to mentor them. Oh, you wanted to be my friend? Well, I'm sorry. What happened to servants? What, are you with me tonight? Yeah. Carnal means fleshly. Chris, Christ's follower. Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as a carnal. I, I know we're trying to promote it in the church today, but there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. You're either 
a Christ follower or you're not a Christ follower. The Bible says you're either for me or if you're not for me, then you're against me. Are you with me? Carnal, carnal, carnal Christianity. A double-minded person, unstable in all their ways. Hmm. How, how does this get in there? Very simply, it gets in there this way. Because as a church, we, we've been going after what we call decisions rather than salvations. We want to get decisions for Christ. Now, I've been there before, and man, some of them are genuine. But I've been there before where, man, the emotions are running and excitement's happening. And it's, man, how many of you guys need to get saved right now? And, and 500 people pour to the front. And they decide to let Jesus, or they decide, I'm, I'm going to. But then there's no fruit. The Bible says in Matthew 3, to bear fruit worthy of repentance. See, the problem is this, is we, we've been going after these things called decisions rather than salvation. Salvation, the key element to salvation, is this word called repentance. We're going to look at that tonight. Repentance. That word has been lost in church. We just want, we want decisions. Here's what decisions are. Decisions are, how many of you guys would decide to let Jesus into your heart tonight? Yeah, well, okay, sure. Come on in, Jesus. Okay. And Jesus now becomes an addition to our life rather than a submission in our life. See, we were never meant to add Jesus. We were meant to submit to Jesus. Are you with me? We were never meant to say, oh yeah, you know what? Come on in. Let me just put it, let's just say this stage represents my life. Okay? Now, all these things are, are my life. And let's just say this right here. This is the throne of my life. Okay? And I'm confronted with the gospel. Do you, you want to you let Jesus in? Yeah. Sure. Jesus, come on in. Jesus walks into my life. What up? Okay? Yeah, there's a comfy spot on the couch right over there. Okay? This is the way most people ask Jesus into their life today. Okay? There's a problem with that. That might work with your living girlfriend. Yeah, come on in. Here, have a key to my house. Sure. Just don't, you know, don't touch that. Don't touch this. Don't touch the other things over there, okay? But yeah, you, you, sure, come on in. But the minute she wants to start moving her stuff in, <laughs> whoa, relationship's getting way too serious. Okay? You're wanting to move your stuff in now. We need to sit down and have a discussion. Okay? The problem with decisions is I decide to let him in, but you know what? This is my seat. This is my chair. And I'm not moving from this chair. And we make a decision to let the problem with that is this is John chapter 16, verse 15 says this. It says, He chose us. We didn't choose him. But our, what happens is this. So we decide to let him in, just not to sit down. Okay? And this is false teaching, but not what I'm teaching. But there, there are people that actually teach this. Yeah, just invite Jesus in. And then maybe later on down the road, you'll let him be Lord of your life. 
No, by inviting him in, he is, he's either Lord of your life or he's not Lord at all. He's not into cohabitating, okay? Jesus is not like a best friend with benefits, okay? You all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Friends with benefits? <laughs> That's not Jesus, okay? Jesus wants to come in, and when he comes in, if you're still sitting on the seat, he leaves. Because that's his seat. This is where he belongs, right here in the center of your life. Okay? I was talking to somebody the other day, and I asked them about a friend, and they're, um, I said, Are they a Christian? No, they're not really a Christian. What's not really a Christian? What is that? You're either a Christian or you're not. You're either carnal or you're, or you're, or you're spiritual. That's like, that's like seeing, you know, some guy, you know, that you, and you're talking about the NFL and be like, oh, dude, are you a football player? Well, I'm, I'm a partial football player. Well, what do you mean? Well, I mean, I, I got great seats to all the home games. And so I'm at every home game, it, it's, I'm, so I'm a partial football player. What? But that's what we're promoting. We're promoting there's, there's unsafe people. There's partially safe people, and then there's safe people. So what, I've only accepted half of the cross of Jesus in my life. Oh, which half did you ask? I, I, I got the, uh, the, the healing part of the cross. You know? What's the partial cross? Does anybody hear what I'm saying tonight? Okay? He either saved you or he didn't save you. But we, we have decisions for Jesus. So we have all these decisions and people though, here's the problem though, people haven't changed their life at all. Jesus is there, but so is all the clutter. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I got to come to church, okay, I'll come to church. But it becomes more about appeasing something than it does about getting involved in something. Hmm. Problem is if you decide, think about this, if you decide to have, then everything based in your Christian experience is based on your decisions. Because if I can decide to let him in, then I can decide what parts of me I want to let go. What parts of me I want to hold on to. Well, I'm not quite ready to give that up yet. No, if you desire to come after me, you've got to deny yourself daily, pick up your cross, and, and go after him. See, the church of today looks vastly different than the church that Jesus designed in his word. The church that Jesus designed in his word, the first step in is salvation. Decision is something you do. Salvation is something he does. It's an inward working by the Spirit of God based upon the cross of Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross. And if you try to base your, your, your uh, Christ-following life upon a decision, you, you, you're wrong. Man, you've got to submit to God. And when you submit to God, an inward working of salvation takes place, and it takes place through this thing called repentance. What is repentance? Let me just give you to this, this real quickly. See, the Bible says what? The Bible says you are saved by grace through faith. And that faith isn't even your own. It's faith He gave you so that at that moment He appears with His grace, you would have enough faith to say, okay. Inward working. Repentance is this. Hmm. Repentance 
involves a change of mind. A change of mind. A mind change. A thought change. It's a change of mind. It's, there is a recognition of the truth. My mind changes towards God, towards sin, and towards myself. There's a mind change when repentance takes place, a change in my mind. I understand now who he is based on the word of God and a mental aspect takes place. Not only do I understand who he is and I receive the truth, but now my view of him begins to change. He's awesome. He's good, man. I want to follow him. My view and my concept of sin changes. This before was completely okay. Why? Because I was on the boat of carnality. But now that I'm repenting, I realize that it's wrong, and i got to get on this boat. And I say, wow. It's, it's not just that I realize those things are not good anymore. It's that I don't even want to do those things anymore. Because there's a mindset change. The mindset change. The church of today, though, understands facts about Christ, but does not comprehend what's right and what's wrong. They, they have no concept of what's right and what's wrong. Okay, Jesus, yeah, come in. I was going down this path. Jesus, come in. I'm still going down this path. Because I have no concept of what's right and what's wrong because there's no mindset change. Repentance involves a change of mind. It also involves a change of emotions. The emotions are this this deep, genuine, heartfelt sorrow for sinning against God. The carnal thing that we're producing today would have this worldly sorrow because I got found out. I got caught. So now I'm... Bummer. Where the repentance part is, man, I realize how wrong I am. I see how it grieved the heart of God. And because I see that now, I'm grieving. God, would you save me? Involves a change of mind, a change of emotions, and it involves a change of your will. It involves a change of your will. The Bible says to bear fruit worthy of repentance. What do we mean by change of our will? It's a change of direction. It's, I'm on the boat of carnality heading this way. I'm doing these things. I'm confronted with the reality of who God is. Repentance takes True repentance, if it takes place, says, uh-uh, this is the wrong direction. i got to go this way now. And now that I'm going this way, it's not just visible because I come to church on Sunday. It's not just visible, are you with me tonight? But it's visible in everything I do because I'm no longer living for myself, but the life I now live, I live unto Him. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives inside of me. And because of that, wow, Now that person looks different. That person acts different. That person is visibly not doing the same things they were before they met Jesus. Are you with me tonight? I'm telling you what, ladies and gentlemen, we write so many things off. We write so many things off. And honestly, I think it's... it's, it's, uh, Here's the thing. is When Jesus Christ saves us, He justifies us through the cross. And we get put on this road, this, this, this path called... What? sanctification. He justifies me instantaneous, made just as I've never sinned. Now he puts me on a road called sanctification. Yeah, and sanctification is a process. Okay? 
Now listen to me, I understand that there's newborn babes in the kingdom of God. And I know there's a little bit of a learning curve, okay? So I just got saved today. I'm probably not where someone that got saved five years ago is, okay? But the problem is this. Too often in the church, you get saved today, and you're dealing with conviction. Man, the Holy Spirit's talking to me, speaking to me. There's things I've got to change in my life. But then you look at someone that's been saved five years, and they look no different than you do from getting saved today. So it paints the wrong picture. Okay? There's a process. It's sanctification. There's this journey that we're on. And the, and the thing is, is this, is if you look the same way five years from now that you do today, you're carnally minded. Be carnally minded is death. Be spiritually minded is life and peace. And it's a process. Here's what happens so oftentimes. Is we write off actions that we do. As in, well, you know, the Holy Spirit hasn't convicted me of that yet. You're, on a, you're at a different level than I am. That's true for some people. Okay? But the reason the Holy Spirit isn't convicting you about some things is because the Bible already says what's right and what's wrong. And he doesn't need to convict you on certain issues because it's right there. Are you with me? See, see that, that's the road of sanctification. First, I, I, I begin to read this, and wow, there's some change, things I need to change in my life. I see it right here in the Bible. Pretty easy. But then the Holy Spirit, the Bible says this, that he who knows to do what's right and doesn't do it, to that person it's sin. What is that? That's another level. He wants you to get here first. And be convicted by this first. And begin to live by this first. And so too often times, because here's the reality of it. What's sin for the newborn Christian is still sin for the person that's five years down the road. Some of the things that sin for the five person is the same thing that sin here. Are you with me? There doesn't need to be an explanation. There doesn't need to be a process of sanctification for some things. You just know intuitively when you're saved, man, this is wrong. It's wrong. For a baby to stick his finger in a light socket, it's just as wrong for a, a grown-up to stick their finger in a light socket. Are you with me? We don't get upset. We don't come to, I don't come to my kid and say, oh, Faith, hold on, you're too young to do that. Wait until you're about 15, then you can stick your finger in there, okay? But we do that sometimes in the church. I mean, there are things that we just know we shouldn't be involved in. The Bible says not to set your eye on any evil, worthless thing. There are just things that we absolutely should not be looking at. Well, I don't feel convicted by the Holy Spirit. Then maybe your conscience is seared. Am I being too real for you tonight? The Bible says don't set your eye on anything evil and worthless. That talks about this being the window to the soul. Oh, I can, I mean, I, man, pornography doesn't affect me. I can handle that stuff. I'm a mature Christian. No, you're hurting really bad. No, oh, man, I drink, but hey, I don't get drunk. I don't get drunk. I mean, I get tipsy from time to time, but not drunk. I'm sure tipsy isn't in the police officer's definition. 
You get pulled over. Are you drunk? No, officer, I'm just a little tipsy. Oh, okay, my bad. Go ahead. You're just tipsy. Are you with me? Well, I only get drunk at home. Good for you. <laughs> the Bible says don't get drunk at all. It doesn't need to be a conviction of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me tonight? Is this too real for some of you? Okay. Let me just break. What am I trying to say tonight? What I'm trying to say tonight is this. is You're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. You're either a Christ follower or you're not a Christ follower. There is no in-between. There is no carnal Christian. So thank you for coming to church, boosting our numbers. Hopefully you're tithing. <laughs> but there has got to come a point in our life where this is carnal and this is spiritual. And there is no in-between. Oh man, I, I, there's just some things in my life I don't want to give up. Okay, that's fine. I'm not asking you to. He is. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You don't have to give any of them up. You really don't. But you don't have to go to heaven either. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking with people even after, after, the, after the message today and I'm just not ready to give some things up. Okay, that's fine. Hopefully you give them up before you die. Hopefully. But here's the thing. It's got to be an inward working of God in your life. Because if I can talk you out of something tonight, somebody else can come tomorrow and talk you right back into it. And that's the problem with decisions. The problem with decisions is there's some great communicators out there that they can get into your heart. Yeah. Make that decision. And then tomorrow, when reality hits, somebody else sways you right back into something else. That's why we offer salvation to every one of our... Hey, man, are you ready to repent? But we don't force it at our services because you know what? It's got to be an inward working of God in your life. It's not just says, I'm not ready to give this up. It says, I don't want this in my life anymore. This is wrong. It's got to be like Peter on the day of Pentecost where he literally... Man, he just... Read Acts chapter 2 and 3. Read the whole book. It's really good. But Peter literally gets up and just wails on him. You guys killed Jesus. You guys are murderers. You guys are... And they stand there like, what do I need to do to get saved? It was an inward working of God taking place. Because you know the truth, and the truth sets you free. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes for a minute. Close your eyes. I want you to think about your life right now. Now listen to me. You've got to decide. You've got to know in your knower that you're either a Christian who blows it every once in a while or you're a sinner who's sinning. I said it this morning. Say, how do I know that I'm a, I'm a Christian who sins or a sinner who sins? How do I know if I'm a sinner that's sinning? There's this battle going on, or a Christian who sins. And the question I would propose back to you is, what do you like to do? 
If you like to sin, then you're a sinner who's sinning. But if when you sin, you feel grieved. You feel challenged. You feel frustrated. Then you're a Christian who just blew it. And that grieving and that frustration and that uneasiness that's happening inside of you is meant to push you back to Jesus and get you on the right path. But if I'm enjoying it, I'm probably a sinner who sins. Hallelujah. So as we close tonight, I want to ask you this question. Have you experienced true repentance? Have you experienced the saving grace of Jesus Christ? Have you experienced it in your life? And as you have your head bowed and you're just examining your life, here's the the question I would ask. I told this this morning. I was explaining to Kara what a Christian is. I was going through the Sinai, Kara... This is what a Christian does. This is what a Christian looks like. And this is how a Christian acts. And this is how they relate to other people. This is what a Christian is, Kara. Kara looks at me and says, Daddy, have I ever seen one of those? Have I ever seen one of what you just described? And I thought about if my daughter was to follow you to work, if my daughter was to follow you on the job, my seven-year-old daughter, and she was to observe your life, what would she see? Would she see a Christian? That, that Jesus talked about? Would she see someone in a situation or a place where they could react in anger, reacting in love? Would she be able to follow you on your Friday night? Or would she be held up at the bar? Sorry, you're not old enough. Would she be able to follow you to the, to the, to the dance club? We should be able to follow your life. What, what, what fruit is coming off you tonight? What fruit is in your life tonight? 